0: Welcome to LedgerCast. In this episode, I'm talking to not Craig Wright, the anonymous persona behind Destroyer DAO. Destroyer DAO is an autonomous organization that I'm hoping to learn more about along with you to figure out why it's necessary and what they're trying to do. Without further ado, here's the interview. Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard, and today we've got a different episode for you because, uh, for one, we're going anonymous today, and we're talking about something that's, uh, in my opinion, quite unique in the ecosystem because it's about destroying tokens, not uh, not collecting them. I am with who we're calling not Craig Wright. Uh, and they've built Destroyer DAO. Uh, DAO stands for a Decentralized Autonomous Organization, and this is one that you probably haven't seen something like it before. If you go to destroyerdow.com, you can follow along on the website in terms of what this is about, and uh, we're going to talk more about what the heck this is and, and what you're building. So, hey there, not Craig Wright.
1: Hey, how's it going? how's <laughs> oh, it's going
0: great. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks for having us on the on the podcast,
0: yeah, absolutely. I saw this on Twitter, and I was like, "What the heck is this? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Uh, why are we, why are we burning coins?" Um, so, as a base tagline, you say "burn shit coins" and create a unified shitcoin ecosystem, um, which sound contradictory to me. So, can right. you give us the thirty thousand foot view of of what the heck is Destroyer dow
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, it's a a concept that we've been throwing around for uh, several years now. Um, The initial concept was originally originally derived from how Counterparty came into being.
0: That's XCP, if if people are aware of it.
1: um, So, Counterparty was one of the most interesting projects uh, we saw in the space uh, over the past, I think it launched in 2014. Um, They did an ICO, and this was prior to Ethereum. Uh, there have only been a few like really successful ICOs prior. Uh, it was post the MasterCoin ICO, which, which became Omni, for all the people that know that.
0: And Omni is what Tether was made on.
1: Right, exactly. So Counterparty actually uh, came after um, MasterCoin, and they delivered a product much quicker than MasterCoin did. And we felt this was uh, one of the core reasons why Counterparty was so successful. Because of, the that, because of the
0: way they funded it?
1: Because of the way they funded it. So instead of taking in 4,000 Bitcoin, which I think is what they raised, uh, they effectively sent it to an address that was unspendable and that burnt the Bitcoin. So Bitcoin was gone.
0: So 4,000 so Bitcoin at the time, it was no more than a couple million dollars, depending on what the price of Bitcoin was.
1: Right. Uh, and back then, that was that was a pretty substantial amount of money for Yeah, a
0: substantial amount, but not relative to a to 2017 today. ICO, for instance.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so they, so they ended up burning their tokens, and from that, they basically ate their own dog food, um, so to speak. So, um, they built Counterparty in a very short amount of time, and they delivered a product that was actually working. Um, I think, I think it was like start to finish in like six months. I mean, it was incredibly fast. And they yeah. had a working product with a GUI that allowed people to create and mint their own assets on Bitcoin. Yeah. So, so
0: Counterparty, for anyone that's not familiar, it. Actually, is a really fascinating project beyond just the way they uh, did the 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 token burn, but it allowed you to create security tokens or any other type of token well before all these more modern solutions. And actually, I think it's Bruce Fenton who does Raven, the company that he created. He actually created on on Counterparty, uh, I think just last year or something. Um, even though I guess Raven and some of these other ones are also doing security token type of things, I don't really know. But the point being, Counterparty enabled an interface to create tokens, and uh, you could use them for all sorts of different corporate structures. Right. And it's been around for a long time. And they also even do there's I've, I've seen some stuff where they have like collectible ecosystems, and there's like farms and stuff that you can do with Counterparty. There's a lot of cool stuff. It's a fascinating project, and it really I think it went under the radar in the in the the recent ICO hype. And this isn't a. This isn't you know some kind of like shill of Counterparty in any way. I don't have any position yeah. in it. But it's a fascinating project. And so you're saying they built it in about six months. They had burned the Bitcoin they raised. So they raised four thousand Bitcoin. They sent it to an address where it was unrecoverable. Uh, it was a real Bitcoin address, but you couldn't match the private key. So therefore, no one could access that Bitcoin. What did people get? So someone says, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna send a Bitcoin to this address. What do I get as a participant in that sale?"
1: So so they they gave all the participants Counterparty uh, in return at a like a nominal exchange rate.
0: Okay, so So you're swapping. You're essentially swapping your Bitcoin for Counterparty. Right. But the team the team that created Counterparty got nothing.
1: Uh, they got some Counterparty. Okay. their, that was their method of funding. They, you know, they had a pre-money. Much-
0: okay, so then if the community or whoever the tradable exchange determines that there's a value for counterparty, then they realize they can realize that value by selling it. But they never actually had a, a war chest or anything like that of Bitcoin that they had raised because they threw it away.
1: Exactly. It was a it was a core prim- principle in their philosophy that um, you know they they should have effectively eat their own dog food and uh, developers shouldn't get rich because they have a cool idea. They should get rich because they create value. So the only way that you can mint a counterparty asset was you had to pay like 0.5 counterparty.
0: Okay, wait. So minting an asset, meaning if I make a token, let's say I make the the ledger token, then I can burn counterparty to do it?
1: Um, I'm or not 100% sure if there was a burn or if the company took the counterparty in return. But
0: it costs, it costs me. I have to buy counterparty then I have to spend Counterparty to create the my own token, the Ledger token, or whatever.
1: Spend the Counterparty to create your token, and you could mint it however you wanted. Okay. And, and I, I think most people originally, so um, the guys behind Overstock got got behind Counterparty initially, and then they broke away. Uh, there was a lot of, a lot of internal strife within the Bitcoin community around counterparty, um, for various reasons of, you know, printing your own money. It's just not a good idea. Um, you know, we.
0: Interesting. <laughs> There's a lot of that really going on. That
1: light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a really interesting project. Uh, the team delivered and shipped. So, uh, not only did they have a whole working way and GUI, uh, counterwallet.io was the site. It's still alive today. Um in a way to mint your own assets and create your own assets. They also had a fully uh, decentralized exchange built into this when they went live with Mainnet. So they were really dependent on counterparty being successful in order to generate revenue to support the, the business. And they attracted a lot of people that just were down with that philosophy of just creating value. And what we saw is that... That is just extremely important um, for kicking off anything. Counterparty wasn't super successful. It's probably not going to be super successful long-term. Um, a bunch of us left the community over time. Uh, there was just a lot of friction points. Um, I think there are even Bitcoin miners blocking counterparty transaction uh-huh. uh, because you, you, know, you have to insert more data into a Bitcoin transaction to um, you know, have the, you know see the meta tokens and how they move. So there's a lot of friction too. You needed Bitcoin and Counterparty in order to to make a transaction and create a new asset.
0: So in the blog post where Counterparty describes why proof of burn, there's this paragraph and it says, by opting to distribute all Counterparty by proof of burn, the Counterparty developers eliminated speculation that they plan to get rich quick or redistribute risk unequally. On the contrary, they put themselves in the same position as everyone else, backing their ideas with destroyed Bitcoin to obtain XCP or counterparty in the hope of eventually benefiting financially from their own project and hard work. Exactly. So one of the things that interests me with this is had they had you not done this, so if you did not send Bitcoin to get counterparty, then you're going to benefit from having Bitcoin and whatever speculative value there is in holding Bitcoin. So by sending it and receiving counterparty, you're essentially it's essentially the same as as a as the sender, the same as uh, buying any altcoin, where you think the altcoin is going to do better than than Bitcoin it has more potential future value. Generate but, alpha, alpha right, return, right? Generate alpha relative to Bitcoin in counterparty. Yet either you or <laughs> you know whether it's you or or someone else, you're anticipating people will be incentivized to now build it as well. Um, right. They didn't receive anything, but they'll be incentivized to build it. Why are they incentivized to, to actually build and deliver and what does prevent it from fracturing quickly um, since there's not this like large treasury to you know consistently feed you as the people that are are developing this project and that kind of stuff
1: are we talking about counterparty or are we talking about
0: um, for any any anything where it's proof of burn where it's um it's funded but it's not really funded you know yeah. like why are they incentivized and
1: well it's, it's the same way that uh, startups. startups work right now so us you know you don't need
0: investment dollars to build a company that generates yeah but Um, you do have a a more limited runway perhaps or you got to figure out how to fund it
1: or yeah, you have to figure out how to fund it or you have to figure out how to start generating revenue to support the business. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of startup founders that are really passionate about changing the world and creating value. Um, and so they start going down that path and that's essentially, and then they build companies and within their company, you know, they have equity. And the founder's goal is how do I make my equity worth as much money as possible, right? That's that's how they're ultimately going to make the most money. Okay. Not necessarily how much profit my company generates, but how much is my company going to be worth uh, in the position when I have a public offering uh, where my stock is being traded on exchange or I have an acquisition or merger and so
0: forth. Okay.
1: Um, So it's kind of the same thing. So their token, they're treating their token like equity in the business, but their their business is an open source project.
0: Okay. I can get on board with that. So let's, (laughs) let's get from the concept of proof of burn, which I think you can either see merit in that or not. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're giving to it, then you're you're receiving something that you're assuming will have value in the future, and then you have to operate on the thesis that someone will be incentivized to build something. At the end of the day, with all of this, um, now let's shift it over to Destroyer DAO. So it was modeled after it in the sense of being proof of burn, but in this instance, now for Destroyer DAO, what are people burning, <laughs> and and what do they get?
1: So obviously, with the ICO boom uh the creation of tokens and uh, ico and particularly Ethereum's success um we've seen just a ton of startup companies instead of selling equity they they started selling utility tokens and they started trying to figure out ways to tokenize their business model where the token provides some value within their network and because of that the token inherently has more demand
0: Mm -hmm. um Theoretically, for all of these things.
1: Theoretically. And if the supply is limited and the demand rises, then thus the token price will go up. That's kind of the the speculative nature of utility tokens. Mm -hmm. Uh, But unfortunately, what happened was this became a new way to invest in startups uh, that would create quick liquidity positions and actually allow investors to flip uh, one project on the other and what we've found over, you know, the past year is that these projects are not, like, are, these investors are, are not users in the utility tokens. Right. A lot of uh, token offerings, uh, you know, companies selling their tokens or businesses or projects, or whatever, um, they thought that they were selling their tokens to actual users. And they're not. Um, so now you have, and, and then they're taking millions of dollars because if they can generate any hype, and generate enough people to come in and buy it, they can just dump the tokens on the market.
0: Yeah. If they can establish liquidity, then it gives them an exit opportunity to make money off of it.
1: Right. And we also saw a lot of projects raise very private rounds to build momentum where they were selling tokens for pennies and then slowly increasing the price publicly. So where by the time you get to the public offering, they're selling for like dollars and they were selling privately to investors, uh, whales, you know, for pennies.
0: Yeah, I'll use an example because it helps put it in context and shows how terrible it worked out. Uh, So there was one called SALT, which fundamentally, I never liked it. But when it was ICO was going, I was interested in it. But basically, it was an idea, which is a fine startup idea that's actually been repeated since, where it creates a lending platform. So someone can essentially use Bitcoin as collateral and then borrow money in a more real way. And that's because they don't want to realize tax gains on their Bitcoin, or they just want to leverage their Bitcoin to have more money for a little while, like a traditional loan, whatever you want to call it. But it was based on this utility token, which was really completely centralized. And um, it was revealed over time that like, they were selling those tokens in a pre-sale to the pre-sale to the pre-sale for a quarter. And by the time you got to the end of it, it was like $3. So people buying an ICO for whatever, $3, were paying, uh, whatever that is, like 12 times what the most insider-y people paid. And a huge percentage of the tokens were given to those insiders at a significant discount. Um, Of course, the product didn't work very well. All of the hopes and dreams kind of fell away. And the most insider people were still able to take advantage of liquidity on exchanges in the midst of hype to dump for enormous gains. And essentially the 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 most vulnerable of investors were the ones left holding that bag, buying it for a dollar, which they might have thought was a discount relative to the $3, but it was still four times what those investors paid. Um, right. Didn't work very well. There was very little token utility in the end and the project, maybe they weren't very incentivized to actually do anything because they they could so easily dump those tokens over the course of the year or whatever. So that's an example of a project gone bad and a utility token essentially used to enrich insiders and people within the project. Is that a good enough example?
1: It's perfectly accurate, and uh, we we particularly we particularly remember the Salt ICO as well. Yeah,
0: um, and because that was before these really went fully private, so like basically anybody could come in and buy the expensive version of the Salt ICO, which I thought was interesting. Right.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so many things wrong with this. Uh a lot of people have been burned and now there is an enormous influx of tokens that effectively have uh, very illiquid positions. Mm-hmm. They might be trading on exchanges, but if you were to try to sell like a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars, you might move the price, you know, twenty percent. Yeah. Um there there's just no buy support. So now um, you've got
0: somebody that's a bag holder of a some token like salt you're giving them an option to do something with that right okay so um,
1: well so and well here's the other problem that um you should also realize is there's also um trading outfits out there that are slowly slowly accumulating these coins building massive positions where they Mm -hmm. own 50 60 70 percent and all they need to do is have any little bit of hype behind the project right any hype at all yeah they they buy the sell side that they already control or they just take it down yeah price goes up you know 100 percent, 200 percent, and before you know it you know there's mass hysteria everybody's buying it everybody's like oh this thing's going to the moon we see i mean it's such a cyclical thing like you, it's so predictable you can see when a chart is almost going to do it now um and you have these as a
0: speculator that's essentially what i'm looking for <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're looking but ultimately at the end of the day like um, you yourself you're you're winning because you' were smart to pick up that pick that up but somebody who is a new person coming into the industry typically they're the people on the other side right yeah because
0: there's lot, there's this idea of like the altcoin hot potato like right. somebody somebody's left when the music stops holding right. the potato somebody's
1: always left with the bag uh, and it's typically the new guy. <laughs> Okay. And the new guy that gets left with the bag, we just disincentivized him to join the crypto community, right? He came in, he bought his first Bitcoin, and then he said, Oh, you know, I need to start trading so I can make more Bitcoin. And now he has no Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And I just bought this.
0: I'm out. Okay. So, how does Destroyer DAO help this or make a difference?
1: So, the philosophy of Destroyer DAO is to follow the same principles that um, Counterparty followed and provide and gamify. A mechanism by providing temporary liquidity events for these projects, for people holding these coins that know they're in a liquid position, they know their shit, to give them a way to exit that position by effectively burning the token and destroying it.
0: Let's say salt would be a pretty big one to tackle because it's probably more liquid than many, many others that uh, didn't have near the success of salt in terms of gaining listings or finding liquidity and all that. But, you know, they bled out just the same. But let's just keep with salt as our example how, to, sure. how would this process occur with SALT? Does it have to be just for SALT that Destroyer DAO would have a project for it? Or can you do SALT and like 10 other crappy altcoins that you have? Or how does it work?
1: So and, and just to kind of explain this too, um, there, there's got to be a strategy on how to tackle this problem. And one thing to note is that the way, the way that we do things initially might change in the future Okay. as, as um, you know, we start destroying more coins. The ultimate goal is for this to be a deterrence against creating funding future scams and actually be a signal for exchanges like Bittrex and Binance and some of the more legitimate exchanges uh, that have actual liquidity and real users to be used as a signal that this is a bad project, this is a scam, we're all opting into this.
0: So if Let's a see. project is on Destroyer DAO, it's listed on Destroyer DAO, if you will, as someone can go and burn tokens on it. It's essentially so, the community saying this project is so crappy that it deserves to be to <laughs> burned and die. <laughs> right. And therefore, it should almost be like a blacklist for putting it on a legitimate right. exchange.
1: And the goal is to, uh, to gather the value in the users and almost provide effectively a peace offering. Mm. It's like, hey, man, you, you made a mistake. We all make mistakes for investors. That's what investors do. VCs do it all the time. They invest in 10 companies and one of them is a unicorn. Yeah, you know, nine of them fail. One of them, like, totally okay. But we're not, you're typically not left with the the remnants that you know is immutable like we are with with many of these assets. Um, so how do you build a model? that allows you to extract value onboard these new users that want to burn their token, give them liquidity, and then have them opt into a new system that's built on a new framework and how to create more value within a unified ecosystem instead of uh, a siloed one. We typically.
0: Okay. So let's say I've, uh, let's use, keep salt as our example. I bought the top. It lost 98%. <laughs> <Sounds familiar. laughs> uh, all right. So now why not? I'll do it because I've got two percent of this thing left. Maybe it's a big bag and I can't even sell it. But either way, it's two percent. Like that might as well be hundred percent. But I still have these dumb tokens. It'll—I don't think it'll ever, you know, pump back up to uh, allow me to sell it for anything close to what I bought it for. So sure, Destroyer DAO wants to do something for it. I'm gonna go burn these salt tokens because it's the listed on Destroyer DAO. Is I can burn it. What happens? What do I get? What's the process from there?
1: So what would happen before is the community, and, and these are mechanics that, again, they can change. These, mm-hmm. are, these are things we're thinking about right now to, to gamify it um, because it's really difficult with all the securities laws to give you a one-to-one exchange rate. Um, but if you do it decentralized, then you can kind of break rules, which also works. But <laughs> we, we want to gamify it in a way that there's not just like one project picked. There's one, two, three, four, five, all, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then there's an allocation of new tokens that will be delivered back to the users in return. So, and effectively, you can map and you can know via the DAO, like the community that burned the most token collectively would receive the most allocation. And the community that burned, you know, the next list and the next list, like, it goes down. So Okay. So if you have three projects, you have Salt,
0: and then you have two others, and uh, they're all given the option to essentially fund being on the DAO, the reward in terms of the amount of destroyer they receive as a destroyer, to- destroyer DAO token is based on how how incentivized they were to burn, like how committed they were as a community to burn. So one community burned $100,000 worth of their token and salt burned $200,000 worth. The amount of destroyer DAO they receive in return is based on how well they performed in that.
1: Well, it couldn't be tied to the fiat value. It would have to be tied back to relative to how many tokens are circulating.
0: Okay. So like a percentage of the supply. Right. Okay.
1: And so the community that burns the most token would receive a higher proportion relative to the other participants. Okay. And they receive destroyer DAO. And another thing we're considering is maybe delivering... you know, a small amount of Ethereum in return so that there's actually a transactional cost. So it's a huge tax benefit too, because now you can almost uh, claim almost near losses on this. And then you have a token that uh, will be delivered to you over a vested period of time.
0: Okay. So you receive the Destroyer DAO token over time in response to uh, having committed your salt or whatever. Exactly. Okay. That mean- yeah, I think so. So and I think I... Do-
1: mechanics, they can always change right. the DAO decide to do something different or try a different experiment. Yeah, that, when that's I, something we ultimately want to encourage into the ethos of the DAO that we're not, you know, we're, we're just building the initial platform to jumpstart this, but ultimately the community should be the ones governing and dictating how to continuously support this ecosystem.
0: Yeah, and that's what I want to get into is the governance component of this. Um, to finalize that, when I take part in that process, I've burned my salt because I've sent it to a address that can't be recovered. So it's no different than what you talked about with Counterparty. And now I'm going to receive the Destroyer DAO token. But a DAO, like I said at the beginning, a decentralized autonomous organization, as a token holder of Destroyer DAO, you are now a participant in the governance process Of everything else regarding this token and community so that's essentially where the potential value comes from is the fact that now you're part of this process and you're part of this whatever you want to call it like anti-shitcoin community um and there's inherent value in being a participant being a token holder of destroyer dao right
1: right so the ethos of destroyer dao community is how do we support the community as a whole okay broader crypto community right? The broader crypto community, how do we help support Bitcoin? How do we help projects like Monero? Projects that are doing distinctly different things that are really providing a ton of value for the ecosystem.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's use Monero as our example, because let's say, you know, Bitcoin has a lot of people that believe in it, support it, whatever. Monero's community might be uh, fierce, but have fewer resources uh, piling into them. So I'm a token holder in in Destroyer DAO, and I want to help fund something with Monero. Is that the type of thing that you can propose, vote on, and then somehow fund Monero?
1: Right. So this is is where uh, the key... Key thing that comes in that a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around. So the destroyer DAO tokens will effectively be capped. Let's just keep the same number as Bitcoin 21. Okay. So a small portion of them will be distributed through a gamified airdrop that will have multiple steps to it. Um, and you can, you can go to that now and uh, start participating. Uh, right now we're tracking referrals. People who refer, people get more points. People get more points. will have uh, a leg up into the next phase of the airdrop we're trying to not have to do KYC, AMLs, and all this stuff and red bots by creating like a game of gamified uh, method of getting the initial destroyer DAO tokens. And then those, those DAO tokens will be distributed to you via Airdrop into an address. There'll be um, something on a sidechain that will be connected to Ethereum. And it'll be a, a nearly frictionless experiment, experience. Uh, okay. So the goal is to bootstrap this thing and start off very centralized. Um, the goal is to be very decentralized over time, but you have to start off centralized. Everything starts off centralized. Yeah.
0: Right. So <laughs> someone goes experience. to so I signed up. I signed up through my email address through someone else's ref link. And now I signed up, I have an account through this, like you know kickoff token thing and okay. I have a ref link. So someone can go to status.com slash destroyer and they can use my ref link and I get bonus tokens for that. It sounds very familiar to an ICO sign up, to be honest. Right. Um,
1: so the goal is to build as much momentum as possible around um build a large community because that's that's what you need to effectively get this work. So I get some um,
0: tokens because I say I'm participating in the evangelism of the community.
1: Exactly. So you become a brand ambassador, but you're not getting tokens that are going to be liquid at any time. Okay. So we haven't determined uh, the exact date, but it, it's probably going to be somewhere to one to five years where your initial airdrop tokens, the only the only thing you can do with them, they're like equity in your company, right? If you're a startup founder, you want to make those tokens worth as much as possible. Um, and hopefully they will with the philosophy of, of what we laid out to build within the destroyer DAO ecosystem. So you now have a way to vote and govern the DAO as an as an airdrop holder. However, um, you know, and then and then the first thing that the DAO will vote on will be burn events, these gamified okay. burn events that we talked about.
0: Burn events being oh. a proposal of these are the projects that we want to propose to be burnable.
1: Right. And we've thought about ways where maybe uh, you could stake your unlocked allocations of your unlocked tokens against certain projects and for certain projects to protect projects and to burn okay. projects So really just gamify the whole thing with the fact that you're a stakeholder effectively like use your equity in a gamified uh method
0: so let's back up a second because one thing we're doing here is you're telling me to uh burn shit coins and i'm receiving a shit coin in return uh <laughs> Because yeah. the sign-up process of this sounds a lot like, and I apologize for the use of shitcoin, but it's appropriate. Uh, yeah, it uh, is.
1: Shitcoin. <laughs>
0: uh, so we're
1: you're shitcoin so you're not right
0: (laughs) yeah you gotta prove that you're not a shitcoin i guess so i'm uh i'm receiving a a a shitcoin the sign up process of this viral campaign thing feels a lot like a shitcoin like a traditional ico basically i guess the only difference here is no one that's behind the destroyer DAO project is like starting with any kind of war chest of destroyer there's no destroyer unless you burn shitcoins or participate in this referral system right
1: Correct. And there's actually no one uh, part of the team that's even participating in the airdrop.
0: Okay. So people part of the team, it's not like they're the base layer of some gigantic pyramid of referrals. It Um,
1: It has to be extremely transparent.
0: Okay. But someone like me who has no affiliation with Destroyer, I can go sign up and I can help start the big referral Uh, scheme or whatever you want to call it in order to get these initial destroyers out into the world and then those of us who participated in building the initial community we're the first vote makers in terms of saying you know what I demand that salt be the one that is proposed to burn and I can essentially through some process uh, put up a vote and then other people that are in the system can say yes or no to that and then other projects right? Right.
1: And uh, the biggest feedback that we've seen is a lot of people think that this is going to create a pump and dump on on the tokens themselves and our job as the founding team of destroyer is to build the relationships with these exchanges that prevent
0: that and that's why i want to ask you uh, i want to ask you about that because that was my question to you when i uh first connected was okay well if salt gets approved and it's the one that we're gonna do the destroyer dial process with. Aren't we just taking away from salt's overall supply and then therefore making the remaining salt more valuable? And how do we like? Are we doing the opposite of what we intended to do?
1: So again, like you know, uh, you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Nothing perfect when it starts, but the ultimate goal is over time. After you have one burn event, two burn event, three burn event, and hopefully initially we can have enough momentum that. Binance and Bittrex and these other big exchanges, they all stop trading it. Like it's paused pause trading during these events.
0: So it has to, that has to be pretty influential to say hey, we're gonna stop trading some token that has it well, <laughs> may be some degree of community or whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Uh, this has to be a big enough deal for us to stop trading because there's a destroyer DAO well, event going on.
1: It should be because we need to govern our community and we need a defense mechanism that shuts these these things down. Um, you know, projects that have been blatant scams, uh, they've manipulated people, people have lost a lot of money. People are really pissed off, uh, exchanges. Ultimately, they want to please their customers. They don't want to support scams.
0: Okay. Um, this we makes have
1: it- a place to help facilitate these conversations. It's just getting the momentum behind it. But even if the first one or two, um, as long as you have enough community and you're doing the right thing, um. And, and it's growing and people understand the mechanism of why we're doing that. And it's actually good for the ecosystem. And, and people are, can you know derive value uh, outside of uh, uh, from burning their coins. Uh, where our hope is, is that this becomes like a nuclear deterrence, in effect, and in effect of like future projects being created that are created out of this. Like that's, that's the end goal.
0: Okay. So our salt comparison is going to be a scam. little tough here. Because I don't, Salt may still have a company behind it. I don't know. But you could even back this up and say like something that's already been, you know, absolutely verified, 100% scam. Start
1: start with the low hanging fruit. Yeah, so
0: let's say a BitConnect or a OneCoin. I mean, OneCoin just got like federally indicted. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if they ever distributed tokens, but let's say one coin did there are actual token holders of one coin who now regret all their decisions over the whenever they were you're giving them an outlet and if they have if one coin is an actual token, I don't know but if it is now th- this could be like one of the projects you go for that is much easier for me to imagine exchanges getting on board and saying oh yeah we'd, why don't, we don't even know why we have this here certainly we shouldn't be trading this whatever and it's like a marketing event for why they shouldn't be anymore if they were. Yep. Um,
1: and, and that's and, the DAO's uh, real job, and and also our job as a founding team is to help build tools for them to effectively pick the right targets to attack.
0: Okay, and there, but there is a, I mean, there's a case for people saying like, no, I want it to be salt. Like this ICO was crap, but that was sure. a big, it was a big project with influential right. people behind it. And there's others that I can think of, you know, like yeah, I I think <laughs> I think uh Bitcoin SV is trash. I think that Ripple is trash. Um I think there's a lot of things that could fit this uh scenario of me fi- me thinking it's glorious to burn them. Um what is there a fear of like weird takeover type stuff like where people come and they manipulate the destroyer DAO ecosystem to have like the opposite effect of what you're anticipating or so you-
1: yeah we're so we're we're looking at initially um there's a lot of people in the community that we've known for years and we really trust mm-hmm. that they, what's best for the community they want harmony you know if, if we can create harmony across the world like you know everybody wins um so we're thinking about you know maybe to kick this thing off there's maybe some nft tokens that provide a bit more weight for people that are uh, you know part of like trusted circles that mean well
0: what is an nft token a non-fungible token uh,
1: non-fungible token. it's basically uh, a way to represent uh you know an, an, any sort of asset
0: so can you and give an is, example
1: yeah uh you know if you, you're playing fortnite right and you okay. skin or something um the fortnite company could tokenize that into an nft and uh you could effectively trade it with anybody and send it to anybody so kind of like a collectible like a crypto kitty for sure. Okay. Um, there's a lot of really good people in the world that are in the crypto space that mean well, and um, it's not you know it's not them trying to take advantage of it. It's trying to help support the system. And I mean, you know, we see it on Twitter. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people that are very respectable that ultimately want what's best for the crypto community instead of like what's what's evil.
0: So you're saying uh, uh, a, a collectible token could be an example burn. Is that the scenario?
1: No, uh, a way for some of the founding members of the team to distribute trust within the ecosystem. Oh, okay, so, so you- the funds initially are, are you know controlled a bit more decentralized, and a bit more trusted, like a bit more centralized, but a bit more trusted. If that makes, sense. So yeah, like a way so. to distribute trust within you know like a trusted network. Like you, you yourself seem like you would probably be somebody that should receive a bit of trust within the network to kick this thing off because you know going from an airdrop and uh, targeting burn events it it might be very difficult to support the initial year or two of uh of the based on you know people financially trying to exit their positions okay so really support the evangelists of of this idea
0: okay i think i'm with you
1: but but anyways um it's kind of lost in the weeds
0: (laughs) no that's fine well that's why we're here this is a this is a (laughs) discussion that's that can become a challenge to understand. Absolutely, and
1: and, uh, what we really want to see uh, be adopted in the DAO, as we being part of the founding team, we're being the interface for the DAO to effectively operate as one unit, um, is to have these conversations, Yeah, and figure out, you know, where are the problems? How can we prevent the attack vectors? What are things that we can put in place to take this idea um, that, you know, I think a lot of people feel we really need in this space, it doesn't just stop current scams; it stops future scams. And the reason why it stops future scams is, is what I want, what we should talk about next. Um, so the goal of the DAO is is really in, in, um, supposed to control the supply of. The inflation. So, if there's 21 million coins, let's say 10,000 went out in the airdrop, and then 100,000 went out in the first burn event. Now you have a community of people that have a stake. They burn their tokens. They're going to be vesting for a long period of time. They're now stakeholders in this idea. How do we control the future distribution of supply so that these so that future projects that ultimately want to provide value can be unified through this same token? Okay. So, in a way, in a sense, it's sort of like mining Bitcoin out of the network. Right, so the DAO decides. Hey, this company comes in. They say we want to build a sovereign identity system that allows users' identities and all the data about them to be completely encrypted and protected, but paywalled. Okay, right, so that I myself am in complete sovereign control of my identity on the on the DAO network. But anytime anyone wants to tap in and buy my data. They have to
0: pay me something. And you have a fee that you associate to that.
1: Right. So we, so we have a team, a startup, and a company that builds this idea and builds it in conjunction with the DAO community. Right?
0: In all of these scenarios, the destroyer DAO token has to have value itself in order right. to do anything, to incentivize a startup like this, to incentivize someone to come in and burn another token, to so support pro- or to support a project like Monero in any of these decisions. The the, the DAO has to have value.
1: Right, exactly. So the DAO token has to have value. And here's how it it gets value. Um, Effectively, DAO DAO company comes in. uh, They want to build a sovereign identity system. They say, hey, um, this is our team. Here's how we can execute. We want to build it with the community. We want to provide updates. Um, This is how much funding we need. We need $100,000. The DAO community says, okay. Let's allocate out of the unminted supply $100,000 worth of token that a pool of investors or whoever they can sell those tokens off to. And will fund effectively the um, startup. The startup, but it's funding it
0: through of- issuing tokens. So you're diluting right. you're diluting the supply of the destroyer DAO a little bit in order to fund it. That's a proposal that I guess the proposal has to be created by community members in the DAO and then voted on by community members in the DAO. And then if it's approved, then what is it a smart contract or like what what actually issues tokens and that kind of stuff? It, this has to be built on some kind of smart contract or DAO enabled ecosystem.
1: Right. So, yes, it's all smart contracts working in conjunction. You need multiple smart contracts to execute this. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we have the guys in place that are, you know, working on building this system to execute. Okay. But what really matters is there's no point in building it right now if there's not momentum around this idea. Because without people, nothing makes sense.
0: And that's why you have this, we need 10,000 unique signups to kick this uh, off.
1: Right. Uh, our hope is to have a lot more than 10,000. But uh, the team feels if we hit the 10,000 number, that's that should be enough momentum. Uh, we're up to, I think, about 800 now.
0: Okay. Uh, Still new.
1: Literally. <laughs> yeah, there's been like four articles written... Uh, uns- completely unsolicited. Uh, what else? Uh, podcast invite from you. Uh, there's been a few more other podcast invites. Our DMs are open. If anybody else wants to talk to us, uh, happy to, happy to set something up. Um, so at yeah. the
0: end of the day, we're, we're having to determine in a market that this destroyer DAO has value because of the potential influence that it can have.
1: You have all these stakeholders who have sacrificed tokens that are Mm -hmm. are right and then now you have companies that collectively hopefully use this token in their own gamified manner however they want you have the community that helps them figure out the best ways to gamify the business and then these companies start to build um ideas incorporating the token but they're also funded with the token okay right and the only tokens that are entering the circulating supply because all the other tokens are vesting are vested are being paid monthly out to these companies so companies typically operate on monthly and quarterly basis um so how do you give the amount of funding like what's the best way to allow a company to uh, run their business is you just pay them monthly right and the dow says okay this team looks like they can provide a ton of value we'll give them a a little bit of money and as they provide more value and they ship and they deliver they can ask for more money from the dow and if they don't deliver they don't build a good product and the dow just stops funding them it's like increasing the faucet or turning the faucet down.
0: And someone can create a proposal to stop the funding of a particular thing. And whoever the participants in the ecosystem are for the DAO are the ones who are going to choose. It's like a rotating board for decision-making. So that's a pretty decent overall summary of how governance works in general. And this isn't the first thing to say, hey, we're a governance token. Usually, though, governance is a component of an ecosystem. Yep. That has another purpose. So the ZRX is one where basically they they describe the token value as the governance component of ZRX more than anything else. Uh, you know, Dash and Decred and uh, Tezos they all have governance components built into the token infrastructure, but they're payments or smart contracts platforms or something like that. Are there other tokens where governance is the entire purpose of the token and the project?
1: Governance in terms of inflation, there's not a project that we're aware of right now.
0: I know some that the goal of the project is to essentially make DAOs possible, but it's usually for enabling DAO type stuff like creating smart contracts for a DAO as as a product basically that can be right. used and the tokens within that. But I don't know of one that's like, we're a, we're a community of people making decisions. And that's what this entire coin project ecosystem, that's what it's about is making decisions. And uh, it reminds me, it reminds me of like a kind of an upstart movement <laughs> with, right. but you're bringing some, you're bringing firepower to the table. So like, if you think about like Occupy Wall Street, they didn't really have any money unless someone gave them money. They didn't really right. have any governance, but it was like this spontaneous arrival of people all similarly pissed off at something that had taken hold in the world, which was what Wall Street was doing at the time. Um, is that kind of the goal, but also but giving structure around the decision-making?
1: Absolutely. The real goal is to unify people in a, a model that a, incentivizes them to produce value so there's lots of ways that people can produce value that it doesn't have to be just writing code right um so providing feedback writing you know evangelizing a system um you know all of these things as long as we act in unison they make a lot of sense i mean it's just like you know you see people wandering around the streets every day and everybody's going in their own directions doing their own thing but then you see you know a flock of birds and how they move in unison in one direction and to the other and they're they're moving together as like one thing and that's the real goal of of the destroyer dao is, is how do we allow a community of people to move in unison by creating value and stop worrying about creating profit because what we've what we've found um is that often when when startup companies go out and they try to create something they usually affixate to solving a pain point and often There's, you know, typically like two pain points, they say, you know, there's the Advil problem and then there's the morphine problem. But our philosophy is we actually think there's a pain point that's even deeper where the only way you can solve it is with genetic engineering. (laughs) So Advil, meaning I have a headache, like my head hurts. Uh, give me some Advil and I'll feel better, uh, companies that attack problems like that usually, uh, are working in terms of commodities. They have a lot of competition. They have to, they add, you know, marginal amount of performance. If you build a company around solving a morphine problem, uh, you typically have, you can go to market quicker with a crappier project because if you're solving some form of a pain point, people just throw money at you because it's like, I'm fucking dying here. Mm -hmm. Please help me God. Right? (laughs) Like... Uh, give me anything to make this pain go away. Uh, And below that is like the genetic engineering problem. And there's a lot of problems that exist like this that are so subtle because they're so simple that we never actually see them because we're always focused on very complex. And the genetic engineering problem that we feel that we found is that at the root of everything, Uh, The root of all companies and technology and ideas is the fact that companies eventually pivot from creating value to creating profit. And the genetic engineering problem is, you know, I'm broken, I'm depressed, I don't know why, because I was born this way. And companies today are born into this, they're genetically broken the way that they're created. And the main the main thing behind that is that companies, as soon as they start taking dollars from investors, they're on a ticking timeline to start creating profit. Right? Yep. So as soon as, as, soon as you start creating, focusing on creating profit, you start losing sight of what you really set out to do to provide value. So for example, Facebook is a perfect candidate to explain this. When they started off in 2004, they were hit among colleges. They had a viral marketing strategy to, to get this thing in the hands of every colleges. They strategically positioned themselves to just dominate everybody and build this unified college kid ecosystem where college kids had their own private social network to share exactly who they were with their friends, put up pictures of themselves drunk and like all sorts of stuff. You could poke each other. Um, I don't know if you remember Facebook in the early days but it was, it was really fun. Uh, I was I particularly and uh, the other guys that we're working with and women uh, were in college at the time when when Facebook sort of uh, yeah came I was too. Um, and it was great it was it was beautiful. Uh, it was it was a really fun experience and they did a phenomenal job. But as soon as they started taking tons of money from VCs and investors, they had to change their strategy from how do we produ- provide as much value to our network um, and our state and our users to how do we generate profit for our investors?
0: So in a DAO, I guess is the point that you are able to provide a check on that balance right. to say, you're not saying profit's bad you're just saying not at the detriment to the participants in the ecosystem.
1: Exactly. So allow uh, companies projects, whatever to just create value. Just focus 100% on creating value. Don't worry about marketing. don't worry about um, any of the sort of like uh, fundraising aspects. A lot of founders spend an enormous amount of time fundraising and, you know, basically making investors feel good about themselves Um, and uh, building that bridge, that connection with investors. We say throw that all out the window, start building your value and start building it with the community of people that we we hope is is effectively everybody where you are having an intimate relationship with your users first. Those guys, those are your stakeholders. Those are your customers. Okay. So build, build your idea with them in conjunction with them and then help them help you figure out how to use your DAO token that they're deciding you should earn to incorporate it and gamify it within your business, whatever you want it to do. If you want to create the new Facebook. Um, or an open would- source
0: community where you want to create a proposal to be funded.
1: Right. Or an open source community to do whatever. Um, How can we take it and gamify your idea with this token and also have other ideas in parallel being built? Teams of people that are super passionate, users, developers, everybody, just worried and focused solely on creating value and no longer worrying about creating profit.
0: So in theory... In theory, I'll, go ahead. is that
1: if you? If you create, if you create value, you will inherently create profit in a very pure way, where people okay. will will want to pay you money. They will want you to to do well because you're providing them so much value with whatever your product.
0: We've shifted to a pretty grand vision of things, which I'm fascinated by. I think it's interesting. A lot of baby steps uh, before then. On a on a general level, I think this idea sounds fun and. Um, I think I can see a a roadmap to where there's success. Um, I want to know in, in your mind, what is the, uh, what, what are the chances and what, what are the situations where you could see like, oh, this went really wrong. (laughs) Like it went off (laughs) the beaten path. We've created a monster, uh, that we can't stop or, you know, it's being used for purposes against what we envisioned. Um, do you think that's possible?
1: Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, our philosophy is that people are inherently good, okay, and people are will inherently take care of each other. So, if we can build a system that models that, then I, I think it becomes very difficult to attack. Okay, the perspective of people. So,
0: I want to give an example. This is just <laughs> this is just me dreaming. Okay, what if there was a scenario where there were two tokens, and one has a lot more money than the other? but it's losing the community uh, support and stuff. Sure. So they say, you know what? We're going to buy a lot of this company's tokens, accumulate them over time, and then we're going to destroy them and we're going to essentially uh, create a, uh, a Destroyer DAO project and essentially they 51% attack by vote and proxy and they kill the good one as the evil one because they took over the network. Is that a, is that a real risk?
1: I mean, ultimately, it depends on where the community goes, right? So, I mean, people try to attack Bitcoin
0: so many times. You know, yeah, it's it's so not the, it's bad. an open, but it's an open question of whether a DAO can be uh, sure. so, commandeered. Um,
1: so again, this is where we're talking about some of the trust, having a trusted network to kickstart it, mm-hmm. uh, really build uh, a model for you know companies to create value with Ecos uh, and do that in a more trusted way to start. And then disintegrate that trust over time.
0: So by starting small, starting with community members that are in uniquely signed up to be the initial decision makers, you're hoping that you like put it on a a, a road that prevents right. the ability to have like unified you know, attacks. Just, just like
1: in all governments, you have representatives, but. You disintegrate yeah. representation over time. Okay. That makes
0: yeah, it does. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. I mean, I know some of the other projects, whether it's Tezos with their like delegators and bakers and all that kind of thing, like trying to figure out, Hey, are we, are we leaving this up too much decision-making to a single delegate or whatever their terminology is? You well, know,
1: our philosophy with all companies and projects that are trying to print money is that if you're creating money by helping people with money, more money you fundamentally break the purpose of what you're trying to
0: okay no uh, can you help me
1: so if if a project is just fueled by venture capital and people have tons of money that a project is just built on a house of cards of people that just got lucky and, and rich this model just distinguishes that you know, the founding team uh, is, is not taking any pre-mine we're building okay, so something that facilitates anyone to come into this ecosystem and create more value
0: so if them. in the scenario where essentially the dao is taken over it's hijacked in some way the right. way to destroy it would be to allow it to contract basically like uh, any other shitcoin does with low liquidity yeah. you Just because fork there's it, and you no start. one's interested in buying it no one's interested in participating because it's become something that it was designed not to be right okay yeah. i'm and with you.
1: you you can fork create a new dao over here and then you burn all the other dao tokens. yeah so uh, again you you know you have a mechanism to prevent future uh, deterrence, but you know, one of the goals is how do we unite the tribes of crypto together in unison around a common goal? And A common goal right now is there's a lot of scam. There's a lot of really big scams. Uh, XRP, for example, is uh, is at the helm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, most people that have been in crypto for some period of time know this is this is fucking cancer for the entire ecosystem. Uh, so how do you how do you produce a network that consolidates? all of these ideas and this waste into a unified system where, that anybody can access that has a good idea so that it prevents future ideas where they want to build siloed utility tokens. Um, instead, you know, any investor at the, that point should ask themselves, well, why are you doing your own token? Why wouldn't you just join the other ecosystem, right? And then you have a whole connection of companies that are all using this token in their own manner, gamify it however they want. They can still produce profit. They can still sell equity in the business if they want but they have free funding and the ability to just focus on creating value if they want. Yeah. We think that is super powerful.
0: I certainly think it could be. I also find it, uh, hilarious in a way that you're, (laughs) you know, you want to, you want to go after the low hanging fruit, but you're also like throwing some daggers up at the top of the tree through XRP and stuff. Um, So I think that's
1: a lot of the people that are more influential in the in the uh, in the crypto space. They ultimately uh, they just care about the big the big guys. They don't care about the little guys that were scammed. Yeah. Uh, But the crowds all invested in the little guys, the scams, and they're pissed off. You know, they want an opportunity to make it right.
0: Well, hopefully, people can listen to this and choose for themselves whether they uh, buy into it. I'm interested to see how this goes. I want to I want to participate. I know that. So you can, uh, I know you're open to conversations on Twitter. I think it's at, is it at Yeah,
1: At DestroyerDAO. At DestroyerDAO
0: on Twitter. It's destroyerDAO.com. If you want to, um, join me and let me be the, the destroyer dowel. Well, number one on the rich list, go to ledgerstatus.com slash destroyer and join my tribe. And, uh, (laughs) that way we'll have the most voting weight. So I want to be, I think I said, when I initially put out a tweet about this, I want to be the, the destroyer doll emperor or something or another, uh, by having the most tokens. So I want to have a vote, uh, so if people go to slash destroyer they'll help me vote and then uh, and then you can get your own ref link and uh, try to become uh, you can try to overpower me so uh, I think it's fun. I know I think there's a serious message in here, but I think it's uh, hilarious the way you're going about it and um, it makes it fun, makes crypto fun. Um, I like that there's not like some major financial incentive involved here. It's around governance you know, calling out projects that are crap. Um, that's something that always gets me is like, I think this ecosystem is really fascinating. I think there's so much merit to uh, Bitcoin and then uh, a lot of other projects, but then those are so overshadowed by the junk that if you can put shine a light on the junk to to prevent people from going down that route, then that would be really great. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's why I'm interested. That's why I wanted you to be on to explain it. If people have more questions, ask you on Twitter. Or you're, you've been active there. Uh, have I missed something major, or do you think we've covered the covered the 101 series?
1: Uh, I think the last thing I would just leave with the audience is that you know we're effectively trying to put the creation of wealth back into the hands of the people that produce value. So if awesome. you can just meditate for a minute on that and think about how that can effectively change the world. Like I think it's a it's a pretty cool idea to uh, to shoot for and to help support.
0: Well, if this can have a positive impact on the, the crypto ecosystem and I guess the, the world more broadly, then uh, that's good by me. Thanks for joining me and we will uh, catch everybody next time. Monuments crumble in the blink of an
1: eye. The easy- Just run dry In a house of cards I feel the breeze Wound so tight I can barely breathe Oh,
0: the change